Hey Connected fam and welcome back to another episode of the Connected Adventist podcast. I am your host Catalina and it is a blessing to have you all with me as we go into this topic and it is definitely a topic that is a little uh, a little sensitive, it's a little raw at the moment uh, given that the fires are still continuing in Australia. So I do want to be really sensitive into going into this topic considering um, just the enormous devastation that has uh, affected our country in terms of loss of life more than anything, but also in terms of um, the loss that we have had in in our country with regards to how much area has been consumed and devoured by these fires and the amount of animals and yeah just how much loss there is just in such a massive scale so yeah let's get into this week's episode and yeah it's really going to be a sensitive topic so yeah I I ask for your prayers and and that um, yeah we can come out of this episode with some sort of assurance in our God let's begin Alright, so as I do, I will be giving out my Listener Appreciation Award and uh, this is an Instagram Listener and Supporter Award and this is going to, and I'm convinced someone's going to have to let me know, so yep, send me a message as to how I pronounce people's Instagram names because some of them are a little harder to pronounce if I read them as a word and I'm like, am I supposed to break this thing down or am I supposed to just spell it? So um, this week's Insta supporter is Metiju. So it's M-E-T-I-J-U. Um, and Matty Jew, who is also Maddie, um, I actually knew Matt from like years ago. So I've been in Jinjin for 10 years. It would have to be at least 12 years ago that I met Matt. And um, he, I actually met his parents uh, through one of the churches. And we used to go to a lot of um, cert, like youth socials and youth Bible studies at his parents' house. Uh, Paul and Sue and yeah they were a really blessing they were people that were very active with their youth they were always at events um, and they were really inspiring in just the amount of time that they dedicated to young people and to providing a place where young people could hang out Um, so yeah I I really have uh, really good memories in terms of um, spirituality when it comes to Paul and Sue and yeah just the way that they were so willing to work with young people. I do want to give a shout out to Matt's YouTube channel. Uh, it's called Maddie May so like the month of May Maddie May and it's two words and he has started a vlog type YouTube channel um, and in that he also has some spiritual content and spiritual videos so yeah give it a look and and see if you want to follow the adventures of Maddie May through different areas of Australia and just the things that he's been doing um, in his personal life as well so thanks for your um, yeah your support Maddie and yeah thanks so much too for reminding me that I need to put a link in my bio for the podcast so (laughs) Maddie Maddie messaged me and he's like hey you really should put your your link to your podcast on the bio so that people can find it and I was like that is such a great idea let me do that had to google it and find out how to do that it took me a little bit but we got it done so yeah that that I'm sure that other people have benefited from that advice so yeah all right um oh before I, I get on to the next 
And before I get on to the episode, I just want to let you all know that um, I do have a Patreon account now uh, for anyone who's wanting to make donations, who's just maybe feeling really thankful for the podcast and wanting to see how they can contribute in other ways than just your support and prayers and your affirmations through messages. Um, There is that opportunity for Patreon. It is like an online bake account if I want to explain it that way I've decided that's the way I'm going to explain it Uh, it's an online bake account where it's really access accessible and easy to donate to rather than trying to work out like bank account details and all that sort of stuff for international uh, listeners and international donors so if you go into patreon it's p-a-t-r-e-o-n google that um you are then able to search for the connected adventist and you can make donations from there i am so thankful that i have received uh, one donor who is willing to make um, a five dollar monthly contribution which is really really cool like really grateful and as i've mentioned previously those funds are going to go towards um a camera a secondhand camera that i would like to purchase uh that i have been Um, recommended for the type of YouTube videos that I'm looking at creating which is going to be more like a vlogging style my my plan and my I mean my dream would be to go out on location to different churches uh, when I am speaking about specific topics and I would ideally like to interview Adventists like on location rather than it be something that yeah I can only do in my studio because it is just an iPhone 6 and the audio and the video quality and all that sort of stuff so anyway so that's the plan so we'll we'll work on to getting that second ca- second um hand camera by God's grace and when he works it out and when he allows for that all right so let's get into the topic today um I am gonna say I am going to share with you my own biblical perspective on this thing um there is so much it is such a profound topic that i can tell you now i will not do this topic justice at all i can tell you you're going to come out of this episode and there will still be many questions that won't be answered but i do believe that as we slowly try and really work through this process and um especially trying to understand where God is in the context of just so much devastation. Um, I think it's like a stepping stone to to trying to get a bit more clarity. What I do want to say in the beginning and as I go into this and as I give you the biblical references or the biblical examples as to what I have seen through the Bible in regards to what may me, many may say is judgment, uh, what many may be as like the wrath of God. As I go into all these examples, I am going to really give out and stress this point that we do not know. Um, as I looked at the examples of the Bible, I thought to myself, if I had not have seen, if it hadn't have been written in the Bible as to why God allowed, why God permitted or why God did the things that he did. If I was to look at it on a surface level without having the Bible as my guide to tell me this was punishment, this was judgment, this was the wrath of God, I can honestly say I wouldn't know what had happened. And the reason why I give that example is because 
I believe that there are things happening in our world and we do not know why and we will never understand why and we will not understand why God is allowing it, why God is doing it and why God is making the judgment calls that he is. So that is one thing that I really want to stress because I believe that there are many people in situations like this that are saying, oh, this is God punishing Australia for the sin, for their sins because they have um, made a political stance on abortion and they have made a political stance on homosexual marriage. I think that that is something that you guys have to be so careful to do because you are literally professing that you know what God's heart is and you are professing to know that the things that are occurring in this world are because God sees things like this or because he is acting like that. And honestly, I know how bad it is to make an assumption call about people's decisions in their life as humans. I would dread, and I mean, I I cannot stress this enough, I would dread the day that I make a wrong assumption about the character of God in regards to suffering and mourning and destruction. Like, Honestly, if if you personally feel that you're in like a position like of such confidence that you know God so well that you can profess and preach to people that this is God punishing sins, then guys, like I'm like, whoa. Um I don't know if you're brave or I don't know if you're something else, but honestly, I could never make a statement like that with so much confidence and boldness. Um, because I do not know the ways of God and I do not know how he deals with humanity. I can honestly tell you, and this is like straight up, I can honestly tell you if God's judgment upon sin was the way that people are preaching about it now with regards to the fire, I would not be standing. I would not be breathing and I would have been consumed. Um, the sin in my life and no one knows the extent of it, but the sin of my life would have extinguished my life a very long time ago. Um, and I think we have to be really sensitive that if we're going to place such, um, oh, I can't even think of like a word that really explains, like if we're going to be so sure of God's judgment on sin, in the context of what is happening in Australia with our legislations and with the laws that we are allowing, then the same judgment or the same bar has to be used to measure our sin individually as well. I deserve to die just as much as anyone else deserves to die for their sins. However, what I see of God in my life with regards to the judgment that he could call upon my life based on my sin. He doesn't. So why does he not burn me? And just to be really graphic, why doesn't he bring fire down from heaven and consume me with his fire? If that is what you're saying he's doing to other people and what he's doing to Australia. So that's, that's the point that I really want to start this thing off with. Like for you, for anyone to feel like they can make such a bold statement with such confidence as though they know God's character and God's intentions and God's decisions, like so confident, 
yeah, I, I would question and I would doubt that statement because then I must see that same judgment on my life and the same judgment on other people's lives. I can tell you there are people in jail who have committed grievous sins, who have done things that I can guarantee you has broken the heart of God, but I don't see jails consumed by fire. So yeah, that that's what I really, 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 really wanted to start. Um, this podcast off with all right um, the other point that I do want to stress and this is like a um, it's like a get out of jail card for Christians uh, when people do start blaming God for these fires um, and this is probably more specific to the fires it's probably not not really applicable for any other natural disaster um, but I know that people have said that you know God started these fires and in some situations, we can say that maybe God did start them. Maybe we don't know. Actually, we don't know. But there are situations where it could be applicable that God directly started these fires. But one thing that I do know is that is specifically in Australia, there have been a lot of people who have been charged with arson um, and they have been charged with starting these fires. So when people do say, oh, you know, Uh, God made these fires or God started these fires and why hasn't God stopped these fires? I do bring to their attention the fact that humans started these fires, Um, that there were people who made a choice and decided to get up that day. When they woke up that day, they decided I am going to start a fire and they started the fire. So I think that we also need to keep it all, you know, be really mindful of the fact that people can blame our God for a lot of things, but there are a lot of things in humanity. There is a lot of suffering. There is a lot of pain in humanity that is actually brought on by humans. Humans do that to each other. Uh, God does not start a war. Humans make a decision to start wars. Now, the fact that God doesn't stop and intervene during those processes, yeah, that may be more of a question and maybe something that we have to try and process and navigate and try and work out. Um, However, there are situations with regards to pain and suffering where we have to take responsibility for the fact that humans did that. Uh, Why are people starving in third world countries? It's not because God doesn't feed them. It's because the leadership of those countries is so corrupt and so greedy and so evil that they take advantage of people in need. And they have plenty of money and plenty of funds and there's plenty of food in this world to feed every single person so that no one is suffering uh, from hunger and malnutrition. However, sinful, selfish, evil humans have taken advantage of the situation and as a result, people are suffering. Uh, So that is another point that I did want to give in the context of suffering and in the context of sin and things like that. Um, Just take it back to its root source and a lot of the times it's actually just humans who are just messing up people's lives um so i did want to add that in there so i'm hoping so now i'm going to go into the rest of the stuff once i've just had that big little little moment um what i have heard during these fires and um i must say i don't think i've actually heard it within too much in the context of non-believers but that's probably because I haven't had these discussions too much with people who aren't Christian Um, it probably has been more with people that are Christian but people that are Christian I think when we see and I will say it like this when we see our God um, 
not stepping in, it can make us question God. And based on what I have gone through in the through the journey of this podcast, um, I have been in a position where I have doubted God and I have questioned God and I have questioned his motives and his guidance in my life. And I have questioned it in a very different way as to loss of life. But I placed myself in the same position and I think to myself, if, if my family had been affected by fire in a direct way as it has in many people uh, throughout Australia where they have lost property, they have lost everything that um, they, they, they owned and everything that they have lived their life to gain. And when I see people who have lost family trying to protect that, I can see myself knowing my past, knowing the podcast journey, I can see myself being in a very similar position where I would be questioning God and asking God, why did my house have to burn down? Why did my family have to lose a family member? I can definitely see how easy it would be in that moment of weakness and vulnerability and in that moment of just feeling like God wasn't there for me. I can imagine Uh, why Christians during this time are really questioning the God that they believe in. Um, And so, you know, questions that come up or statements that are said is, you know, if God is so powerful, why doesn't he just pour rain over these fires? Uh, Why doesn't he just stop it? And I honestly wish I could have a perfect answer for you, but I don't. And as much of a cop-out as this may seem, Um, I do believe that there are some things we will just never fully understand and we will never comprehend. But there are other things that we will with complete security and assurance and confidence and boldness. We can have confidence and boldness in this. Is that one, God is love. And in that love, somehow, some way, His love is demonstrated to us even in devastation, even in the suffering. And we have to place ourselves in a position where we have to be like, okay, God, Australia is a mess right now. The world is a mess right now with everything that we have going on with Iran and America. And we have, we have had earthquakes. Um, The world is literally a mess but where do I see you in amongst that? And it's very hard to do that when we don't know God well enough. Um, and I think that's that's probably going to be the most challenging bit is during this time of pain and grieving and devastation and anxiety and turmoil, how much of God do I know to be able to sustain me through that? And if I don't know enough, if I am in a position where I'm like, God, where are you? Why did you allow this? Why are you allowing this? Then I have to really search and make a decision. If I believe all the good about my God, then let me understand the bad perceptions that are out there about my God. And let me really understand them in the context of his love and his character, and his goodness, and his mercy, and his grace, and his justice, and his judgment. I am going to give you an example, which I sort of mentioned in the podcast, um, in the last podcast about parenting, that I have understood, and I have a greater understanding of the character of God 
by becoming a parent um, and again I believe that we can come to this understanding in many ways um, and in, in other um, relationships um, I have a really close friendship uh, with a friend and there are things in her life that um, are definitely having a negative effect in her life and as a result like not the mother in me I believe it's just the love that I have for this person, it really grieves my heart to see the choices and the decisions that they're making. And if it was up to me, I would love to make the choices for her. I would love to be like, this is what you will do today. And this is who you will talk to. And this is where you will. I would love to just like totally micromanage her life so that she doesn't suffer, so that she doesn't experience pain so that she doesn't keep falling back into a vicious cycle that she is currently in. Trust me, my deepest desire is to just like chain her up to me so that I can just help protect her from all of this. But I can't. <clears throat> and in saying that, in as much as I have wanted to help guide her, help strengthen her, help work through her stuff so that she can get to a position where she can see the path that she's going to, I have come to realize that I can't. I've come to realize that I am so limited in my power, limited in my in my influence, limited in my counsel, and even I'm limited in my love for her to help her. And it was really painful in the beginning, honestly. I... I it, it like it really affected me because my deepest desire was to help her um, because I love her so much but I can't and like I said I feel that for my children as well there's a depth of that that I have experienced that with my children but I'm giving you this example with with my close friend that 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 same emotion that same thought process that same love depth of love to protect my friend is there for my children I believe the same is there with God and the only way I can say it is if I was to isolate my close friend if I was to isolate her and lock her up in a in a room and you know pass food to her through a little slot in a door just so I can protect her from the negative influences if I could do that to protect her from the pain that she's going through that is making her fall back into if I could do that I wish I could and people may look at me and be like dude you're so controlling like that's messed up why would you do that to another human but for people to not understand the reason why I want to do that, for people to not understand that my love for this this girl is like so deep that all I want to do is to protect her from pain. People could look at me in a really controlling, like you're a dictator, like you're possessive. People could see it in a really negative way. And I believe the same is with God. If we do not understand the character of God, if we don't see that, if God could lock us up in a room to protect us from the, the negative influences of sin and to protect us from the temptations, to protect us from the devil, to protect us from ourselves. If we saw God as a God that locked people up 
to protect them. We may see God in a really negative way. We may see God through through a filter that actually tells us that guy is a freak. That God, I never want to worship because he locks up people so they don't have a choice. I'm sure God would love that. He would love it. He would love to protect us to the point where we almost didn't have a choice. But that, again, also takes away from the essence of God's character. Like God is so willing to let us out in the wild, to let us, you know, be free, that he's so willing to allow that so that we get a choice. And I think that that is really important. So I can honestly tell you that I feel that if God was to just shoot fire from heaven over every single person that sinned, I believe that the God that we would worship would be a very different God. But like I said in the beginning, if the God of judgment, according to some people, according to what some people are preaching, if the God of judgment rains down fire and has created these fires in Australia because of our sins, then where is my fire? Why am I still breathing with the depth of sin that I have in my life and have had in my life? I should have been burned down a long time ago. I should have been burned and consumed when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 30, 35. Even up to 35, there is sin in my life. Why haven't I been consumed? So I don't feel that that is a valid argument, that that is a valid statement to make about God. Okay, so in addition to that, if these fires, if the destruction, if the wars, if the famines, if if sin is making you question God and why God is allowing these things, then I would really invite you and encourage you to dig deeper in the word, to read through more areas and more examples and more stories of the Bible in the context always that God is love, God is mercy, God is grace, God is long-suffering, and God is justice, and God is judgment. When you study God's character and try and find validation for all aspects of God's character, not just the judgment, not just the justice, find it in the context of mercy and grace and long-suffering and love, then I believe that you will have a better understanding and you will have peace. Understanding that God I trust you with what is going on in this world, whether it is directly from your hand or whether it is a result of us wishing and deciding that we no longer want your hand with us, that we don't want your protection with us, that we don't want to profess that you are our God. Okay, so I'm going to go now into uh, some biblical examples where fire has been represented uh, or maybe destruction or loss of life is represented through the Bible as a result of judgment. The reason why I wanted to bring this out is because I believe that we must understand God in the fullness of his character and judgment and justice are part of his character. We can't take away from that. Now, can his judgment and his justice be perceived in a way that is a little bit like almost scary? Yeah, totally. Is there aspects of his judgment and his justice that I'm like, oh God, really? Like, did you really do that? Yes. But again, I, all I can stress is that Guys, we don't know God's character and his fullness and we do not understand the motives and the intentions of God. What I do know 
is that God does not want anyone to perish. What I do know is that he died for the people that he punished. He, if I'm going to look at the context of God's fullness of his character, even in his just judgment and in his justice, I see his love. And that is really hard to understand. And I think again, like a parent, I understand that my children do not see my love in my judgment. They don't see my love when I am being just. I have had my daughters tell me so many times that I'm not fair. Um, because I have made, I have had to make a judgment call with regards to their behavior, with regards to things that they have said. I have had to make judgment calls. And as children, with me as their authoritative figure with me as their parent they did not see my judgment call as fair and that is fine I have had to work with them I have had to sit with them and explain and they still come out of it even after I have explained they do not see my judgment as fair and that's okay I have to take I have to be at peace with my judgment if it truly is something that I know that that was fair and that was necessary and that was essential for the molding of their character and for teaching them that to every action and every behavior and every choice, there is a consequence and there is a consequence that is good and there is a consequence that is bad. There is a consequence that will uh, be a blessing to others and there is a consequence where it actually ends up being detrimental to you because you made a wrong choice and there was a consequence that comes with that choice I tell my girls when we have spoken about fair and unfair I don't like to compare God as the police like I really don't like that because I believe that there is like such a negative perception of God uh, when we compare him to the police but there are aspects of that where I, I I more compare it to the law and I tell my girls like I say to them if if mom is speeding if I'm speeding and I'm breaking the law and the police officer stops me and he gives me a ticket, was the police officer fair or unfair? And they'll agree with me. He was fair. Now, he wasn't fair in the sense that um, he gave me the fine, but he was fair in acknowledging that there is a consequence to my speeding. And I have said to the girls, there are laws in our home that are governed by myself and my husband. And there are laws in the world that are governed by authorities and governments and police and all that sort of stuff. And I said, and then there are laws of heaven that are governed by God. And he has set up those laws, one, to protect us. Speed limits are there to protect us, even though, you know, whatever, I think at some point, you know, I don't mind that that highway in, in Europe, whatever it is. What is it called? Uh, let me not bother wasting time to remember what it's called. But, you know, there is no speed limit. Um, but the law is there. The purpose why they have put that law, their intentions and their motives is to protect us, to create safe zones where you can go at 100 kilometers an hour and then there are areas where you can only go at 40 kilometers an hour. They've created that their motive is protection and safety and awareness and all that sort of stuff. So as I explained to the girls that when I receive the punishment or when I receive the consequence or when I receive the fine, as a result of me speeding, the police officer is fair in allowing or making the judgment call that he did. You are speeding, you get a fine. So I've tried to explain to the girls the same way. So I do believe that there is an aspect of God's character that we just have to be okay with 
when it comes to judgment. Yeah, it's hard sometimes when I give you these examples that I'm going to give you. It's hard sometimes to be like, did God really have to do that? Could he have not tried something else as his judgment call, as the consequence or as the fine for these people's behavior? But he didn't. Okay, so I'm going to give you um, the example is found in Numbers 16, which is Korah, um, Dathan, and Abriam. Um, so these, for those who don't know, these are the um, there was a judgment that was made by God in which these people were literally swallowed up by the earth. Um, there, I don't really know too much of the background to why. Um, I do believe that they were actually foreigners. They weren't Israelites, and they brought in God, like fake gods. Um, and again, they didn't follow God's ways. Uh, so the judgment call was that they were literally swallowed up by the earth, and that can be pretty full on. Like that can be like, wow, like God, really? Like there was no other option. I don't know. Maybe there was, but what I do know is that I'm going to trust God, that that was what God needed for that time. That was what God felt was appropriate for that time. And that was it. So we have that in addition to that, like a few chapters after the, these peeps and their families are swallowed up by the earth. Um, 250 additional people are killed by fire. Again, it is a judgment call. And again, if, if that wasn't in the Bible, I could say, oh, it was just, it was just a bushfire. It was just a fire. And they were, they were stuck there. I wouldn't know the reasons why those 250 people died in a fire, but the Bible does tell us that that was a judgment brought on by God. We have Sodom and Gomorrah as well. There was judgment that was given over that city and it came through fire. Again, if I didn't understand the background to Sodom and Gomorrah, if I didn't understand uh, what happened between God and trying to find like righteous people in that city, then I could easily say like, oh, you know, there was like a, a, a you know, a fire just got out of control and they were consumed, the, t- the town went down. Or even if we were to say, you know, in, in a city now, maybe there was an electrical fault and a fire just burnt and was out of control. I wouldn't know the motives as to why that happened to that city. But God has given us the Bible to give us a clearer and deeper understanding of him and also of sin. So again, Sodom and Gomorrah was definitely a judgment call. And that is what God felt was needed. And I have to trust God just as my children have to trust me when I place a judgment on their behavior and on their decisions. I just have to trust that that was what was needed at that time. Um... So we have those examples, like there, there is a few more. I really did want to touch on the fact, uh, this is going to be so random, like my points are so random, but in, in like researching like fire and, and stuff in the Bible in preparation for this episode, I, I was drawn to the concept of that fire consumes the sacrifice. Um, and the reason why that one came up was because I was looking at Mount Carmel uh, with Elijah and I'm like, Fire consumed the sacrifice, the altar, the rocks, like it was all gone. And then I was like the sacrifice, like, you know, in the sanctuary service and when when people were called to give a sacrifice, the sacrifice was always consumed by fire. And I think there is a lot of significance in that. And as I, you know, I, as I sort of reflected on it for a very short time, it wasn't as long as what I would have liked just because I was trying to prepare other information on top of that. 
there was this concept where I'm like, all right, so the sacrifice, which is significant and signifies like sin and that there has to be a price paid for sin. I'm like, okay, so the price for sin in the in the context of the sacrifice in the sanctuary service, the price for sin is death, but not just death, but then it's like a consuming fire. Like then the sacrifice has to be placed on the altar and burnt. So I was like, there's an aspect of sin that brings about the judgment of fire. And as I thought about it and thought about it even more, I'm like, when we look at the context of sin in our lives, God is like making a separation. He's like, take the sins from you, place them on the sacrifice, place them on the lamb. And then those sins are forgiven as a result of the death of that lamb. But then God's like, but let's take it one step further. We are then going to consume this sacrifice, which carried your sin. We're going to consume that sacrifice so that there is no trace of it left. And honestly, the more that I reflected on just that idea, like the sacrifice, like my sin has been passed on. It's been carried by the lamb. The lamb has died for my sin. And now the sin that the lamb has carried is being consumed by the fire. All I could think of that there is an aspect of fire and even fire in judgment that does away with sin. Um, it is getting in the context of the stories that I that I've given you here, um, at least, and I'm sure that um, there may be some consistent consistency in other examples. When the judgment was called, it was to eradicate sin. It was to get rid of it, to clean it up, and so that there is no trace of it left ever again. And when we see even the destruction of people within the Israelite people, most often, from what I can recall from the biblical knowledge that I I have, please correct me if I'm wrong, and feel free to um, engage with me through messages so that we can, um, yeah, so that I can be shown what is what is correct through the scriptures. But from what I see, like that is like God's like, let me get to the root of this sin issue and let me let me get rid of it and take it away at a root space. Like let me get it from from its early existence, from its origin. Let's get rid of it and remove it so that it doesn't continue to contaminate, so it doesn't continue to grow and branch out, so that the sin just becomes so extensive that everyone has been exposed to it so I did really find some reassurance in the sense that if I can if 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 I do associate fire and destruction and stuff like that with judgment from God let me trust that it is because he's trying to stop something from becoming bigger than what it should be he's trying to stop the spread of something and obviously it's always going to be sin, but whatever that sin looks like, whether it's a different sin to um, what Korah had as to what Sodom and Gomorrah had as to what the prophets of Baal had, like if if the sin may be very different, but ultimately God is trying to stop sin before it is it becomes more destructive. So that's the example I wanted to give you there. Now, in addition to that, I did want to have a look at the example of Mount Carmel. Um, there are other examples too uh, within the sacrifice, the idea of the sacrifice, where God brought fire from heaven to consume sacrifices. 
So when I have a look at the example of Mount Carmel with Elijah, so for those that I'll give you a little bit of background on that story. So there had not been any rain and Elijah was told by God to go up to Mount Carmel. Um, and basically what they did there is the prophets of Baal or the prophets of false gods decided that they were going to have like a battle and whoever's God rained fire on heaven was the true God. And so here are the prophets of Baal worshipping and doing everything they can to get their God to rain fire from heaven and to burn and consume the altar and nothing happened. And then Elijah prays up to God and says to the prophets, you know, my God will bring fire and God brings down fire. It consumes not just the sacrifice, but it consumes the sacrifice, the altar, the rocks, and they had poured water over the altar to make it even harder to burn, consumes all of that, and it dries up the water that was left around the altar. So God's like, guys, let me show you who's a real God. He's like, let me, let me, let me not just burn the sacrifice. Let me burn the whole thing just so that there is no doubt at all uh, that you guys know that I am the true God. So there was an aspect of fire that I was like, all right, so this was this fire or this consuming fire was actually God gave it to glorify his name. It was given to vindicate his character and it was also given to give assurance and to grow people's faith. And as as other people sacrificed and their their sacrifices were consumed by fire, I can only put myself in that position. If I put myself now and I have, you know, I've made a sacrifice and I have it on an altar and I pray to my God and I'm like, God, please consume this sacrifice. And if I was today to literally see fire come down from heaven and consume that, that sacrifice, it can only make my faith grow. Like I would be like, whoa, I'm like, God, thank you. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for showing up in such a miraculous way. Like I could see that there is a demonstration of the fire that actually strengthened my faith and brought me closer to God. And I believe, honestly, um, that those examples aren't examples of destruction and fire. It's like um, it's demonstrations of like a miraculous answer to prayer more than anything. But I can honestly tell you that during these experiences of fire, I know that people, even though some people have been brought in a brought in a direction where now they question God, they're doubting God, I also have seen examples where people's faith has been strengthened through these fires. And, you know, it has been strengthened, maybe not in the most positive way. It hasn't been strengthened because they're like, wow, that's a miraculous answer to prayer that, you know, fires are just uh, out of control in Australia I don't think that's what people's prayer was um, or that that is exactly what they wanted in order to strengthen their faith but there is an essence I believe in the vulnerability of understanding how out of control this world can be when we as humans do all that we can to control our lives and I think in the vulnerability of accepting that life is so short the world is unpredictable. Nature is unpredictable. Governments are unpredictable. I believe that in that it has given us a greater dependence on God because he is the only thing that we can rely on. He is the only thing that I say that we can control, but it's not that we can control. He is the only thing that we can find solid assurance in. 
we can control God in the essence, like we can, we can have such a deep assurance of who he is. We have such a deep assurance in the word, in the Bible, that in a world where everything is so out of control, we can come for control or we can come for assurance, safety, security, uh, in God, like we can find all the things that we can't find during these times of devastation. We can find it all, everything that we need and everything that will give us peace. We can find that in God. We can find that in prayer and we can find that in the Bible. So I do believe that in these moments where I have seen so many people just devastated, um, there was a, a YouTube, uh, on oh no, a YouTube video, there was a, a video on Facebook where I just, a guy goes and interviews different people during the fires and, you know, some people, they're like atheists and they're like, why do you think these fires have brought people closer to God? And there was a couple and they're like, we're atheists and like, because at the end of the day, you know, you have to fall back on something at the end of the day. And I see this, I see this as no matter how old we are, we are always children And the reason why I say that is because at the end of the day, we are always looking out for someone to protect us. We are looking out for someone who to love us, to nurture us, to strengthen us, to encourage us, to motivate us, to inspire us and to believe in us. I believe as grown adults, we need a heavenly father just as much as a three-year-old who's trying to learn to, to talk and walk and run, just as much as they need someone to hold their hand and to give them like encouragement and to give them security. I believe just as much as a three-year-old needs that, deep down inside, I believe that as a 30-year-old, as a 50-year-old and as a 90-year-old, we strive and we need the same thing. And I believe that in moments like this, during this fire, people have realized we need a heavenly father. I need someone to reassure me. I need someone to provide safety. And I need someone to help me out because I don't know what to do. And I have seen people crying. As I said, I, I prayed for God to stop the fire. I prayed for God to protect us. And there was another video that was going and it showed about a guy who was an atheist and in the recording, the video recording, um, it's an audio recording of, of him bringing or speaking with someone on an interview on a radio station. He says, I am an atheist. He's like, but I prayed to God. I prayed and I have, I prayed as I have never prayed before. And I think that that is really important that even in amongst all this destruction, even amongst the many people who do not understand why God is doing that, I believe that in the low and the lowest that this fire has impacted and that any destruction or any turmoil or wars or suffering at the lowest point there comes a point in everyone's doubt and in everyone's fear and in everyone's anxiety it makes you realize how vulnerable we are and how much we need of a god and i honestly feel that these fires have brought that and i I can't tell you that God did that in order to do that. Like I said, again, to, to confidently profess what we, what we think God's motives are and why these things are happening is like really bold. And I almost think it's, it's almost dangerous, but I believe that there is an aspect of these fires that people have, that people have been drawn closer to God and that they have seen the vulnerability of humanity. Um, 
and just the greatness of destruction and and just all the stuff that can happen so in addition to that i believe that i believe that there is an aspect of these fires that have brought people closer to god and god will use this to glorify his name just as he did when he would bring fire from heaven to burn sacrifices so that's that point second so that i believe there is an aspect of this fire that could be related to judgment that's fine. I do not take away from that. There is sufficient biblical evidence to say that the God that I worship, the God that I love, the God that I seek and the God that I profess does bring about judgment in ways of destruction and in the loss of life. Yes, we can't take away from that. But what we cannot do is assess the motives as to why he did that. And we cannot place that on this situation that we're experiencing now or on any experience actually that we are experiencing. Unless God has like literally spoken to you and told you i have sent this fire because of your sin or because of the sins of the nation then i i believe you should be very careful because i don't think god's going to be god ain't going to be happy with you if you're saying stuff about him that is not true okay second i believe there is a, an aspect of these fires that bring and disasters and suffering that does bring about a glorification in the sense that it will draw people closer to god lastly I do believe that there is an aspect in which God is so respectful of our choices that as a parent and as I have experienced and also with the situation with my really close friend, there is an aspect where we accept people's decisions and we accept their choices and we just sit back and just be there for them when they need us. And I'll give you the example. I'll give you an example for my children and I'll give you an example for um, my, my close friend. So I can bubble my kids up as much as I want to and protect them from everything. But there comes a point where I have to accept that my children have made a choice. And in the scale and in the context, obviously, of their age, their decisions are going to be a lot less harmful than the decision that my really close friend is making. Her decisions have a greater impact. They bring about greater brokenness. They bring about a lot more pain and they will actually, her decisions right now are actually magnifying dysfunctions in her life. I can't fix that and I can't, I can't let it impact my life to the extent that it has because it I just wanted to protect her so much um, that I had to just be like, God, please give me peace in this situation that even though she's making those choices that are so disrupt, like destructive, please give me some sort of peace at night. Please help me to not cry because I have cried for her. Please help me to not cry for her. Not that I want my heart to be hardened. Like that's very different when you say, I just, I don't want to care. Like, I don't want to care that she's doing that. Let me just let her live in sin. Let her live in that. Let me still live my life. No, I wanted a peace because I was grieving for her pain. I was grieving for the path that she's she's walking in. I was like, God, please just somehow take all that away because it's too hard to, to carry. So I can honestly tell you now that I can speak about my friend's situation, that I can speak about where she's at and... I'm still grieved. I still worry. I still wish I could lock her up in a, in a room <laughs> in my house. Um, I still wish all that and I desire all that. But I have peace 
that God desires to protect her as much as I want and way more than what I want because uh, he made her and that is his daughter. But now I can honestly step back and be like, all right, like when I, when I, when I speak with her and when I text her, text her, uh, with her, I can honestly be at a place where like, I just want you to know I'm here for you. And I am here for you regardless of where you're at. Regardless of, just to use biblical, regardless of the filth of sin that you are in, I am still here for you and I can't wait for you to be back. Um, I can't wait for us to connect again on a spiritual level rather than on a, on a, uh, on a way that the only reason why we're connecting is because I'm worried for you. I can't wait for it to be that, that I'm, I'm, I have hope in that because I know God will draw her heart however he can, wherever he can, in whatever situation she is in. And I believe with my children it is the same. There are situations where I will give you, I don't know what example I can give you. Um, and that one. Okay, so I have told my girls, and like again, obviously the, the scope of my children's rebellion is very different and the scope of my, the extent of the consequences for my kids' decisions to go against what I have counseled is very different to what my friends is, but, and is very different to what God gives each one of us, but so I tell my girls, because we live on acreage, and they're very slack when it comes to wearing shoes. So they they wear their flip-flops or their thongs. They wear them, and then they'll just take them off, like, halfway through the hallway and flick them off. And then they'll go outside, and they'll walk without any shoes or without their flip-flops. And they'll walk out there, and then they'll come back in. And anyway, so... I've always told them, I'm like, girls, like, there's stuff out there. Your dad works outside. His work shed is out there. There's, like, bits of metal. There's all sorts of stuff. Like, you can get all sorts of stuff. We have bindis. I don't know what you guys in the States would call that, but we have bindis. So they're, like, these plants, and when they dry up, they have, like, a little spiky thing on them. I don't even know how to explain it. Anyway, so you get, like, this little spiky thing through the bottom of your foot. So we have bindis, and there are patches where there's, like, a whole bunch, and you will get, like, 20 on your foot, um, and you got to pull them all out, and they're quite sharp. They're quite painful. Anyway, I've told the girls, I don't know how many times, girls, don't go out without shoes. Don't go out without shoes. I don't care if they don't wear shoes inside the house. I prefer for them to wear shoes. I'm always wearing my flip-flops inside, outside, wherever I am. I don't like being barefoot. I have told them their whole life, guys. <laughs> They're 10 and 9. Wear your shoes outside. Wear your shoes outside. Can you put your shoes on? Why are shoes here? Ra rah, rah. On and on. Right. The other day, something broke outside and it was glass. And I don't know what it was. I can't remember how. Anyway, there was glass. Chloe decides to walk outside and she stood on a piece of glass and she was in a lot, like it was a lot of pain. Chloe's really tough for pain. She's a little bit like me. Um, so she was like, oh, it hurts. It hurts. Anyway, we thought that she got, her foot got cut. Long story short, like a week later, she's like, mom, it's a little pussy where I stood on the grass, on the glass. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's infected. Anyway, Chloe likes to <laughs> give herself more pain. And she went to her bedroom. I didn't know. She started picking at it with a pin and she comes out. She's like, mom, mom. I'm like, what? She's like, the glass was still in my foot. I'm like, what? 
So she picked it out with her pin and she picked out the piece of glass. And it was like a decent piece of glass. Like it wasn't like a chunk, but it was a decent piece of glass. And I was like, whoa. I'm like, your foot literally, like the skin healed over that glass. I can tell them and warn them of these things, but guess how many times Chloe's going to have to step on things and cut her foot before she decides, okay, let me not go outside without my flip-flops. I've stepped back. And so when Chloe stepped on her on the glass, literally, I honestly, like this is my mothering right now, my sympathy for her was zero. Nada. Like I was like, bro, how many times have I taught? Because I'm like, I, I didn't feel guilt as in, oh, I'm so sorry. As a mother, I should have taught you to be careful to wear your thong, to wear your flip-flops. I, I didn't feel guilt at all because I'm like, God, I have tried to protect her. And I didn't feel sympathy because I knew that she is she is literally making this choice knowing that it is harmful. It can be harmful for her. Like sin, we may mess around and fool around with sin and it may not hurt us, but there will come a situation and there will come a point where sin will hurt us. Um, and it will hurt us in a really grievous way, like physically, earthly, emotionally, psychologically. We all know that sin will affect us in a eter- like f- for eternity. Um, if, if we have not repented and, and asked for God to help us and strengthen us to overcome, but I I did not feel sympathy for it because I'm like, bro, I've told you. Like, I have told you, Chloe, you know that, and that has been your choice. Did she learn a lesson? You would think so, but no. She still goes outside, and she still knows that there is still glass from that thing that was broken. I have to accept that, and I believe that there is an aspect of destruction And I won't place it specifically on this fire because I believe that there comes a point where God is like, guys, I have warned you of the implications that sin will have on your life personally, but also that it will have on you as a people and as a nation and as the world. And I honestly believe that there is a point where God says, okay, that's cool, guys. Let me just sit back. And when you're ready, I'm here for you. And when you come back, I can't wait. I'll be so excited. And I think that as we as we look at what we are getting to with regards to sin, and I believe with regards to everything else that we stand for in regards to abortions and homosexuality and all that sort of stuff, I honestly believe, and this is probably more what I feel more confident in saying, I don't think it's so much just punishment and judgment for sin what I do feel a stronger pull to is that God is withdrawing his protection just as I withdrew my protection from my close friend I no longer really want to lock her up in a room I've realized she's just gonna have to go this path and and deal with what comes on this path um I no longer am constantly like reminding her of where this path is going to take her I'm no longer counseling her advising her all I'm purely doing is saying I'm here when you're ready and I constantly send her texts to tell her that I love her I constantly tell her text messages to tell her that I miss her I constantly send her text messages of stuff that I relate to stuff that we did stuff that we hung out with uh, things that have varied like us 
I constantly send her text messages like that because I want her to know I'm here for you, but I accept that you are choosing to go down this path and that's okay. Like I can't hold you back. I can't chain you to myself. Um, I believe God does the same. God's like, you know what, guys? You wanted to go this path of destruction. You guys wanted to go this path of sin. Let me step back. God, it does grieve God's heart. God is grieved with our sin, unlike me who's like, Chloe, that was your fault. Like, you you picked that one. Um, I feel that God is grieved with the choices that we make, but at the same time, he's like, let me respect your choice. It's like, it's like anything guys, like it's a relational thing. God is a relational God. If I'm constantly sending text messages to someone and they don't want to respond, they don't want to reply, then I have to accept that that person does not want a relationship with me or that the relationship that they want with me is very different to the relationship that I am offering them. And God is the same. I believe that as the world decides to profess that they do not want Christ, that they do not want God, and that they just, they don't want to be Christians. We have to accept that God is going to say, that's fine, I respect it. I'm not going to force myself upon you. I'm not going to violate you by making you follow me. But as a result, please understand that I will pull back on what I can contribute and what I can give to you in the sense of protection, in the sense of blessings, in the sense of abundance of the Holy Spirit, in the sense of transformation, sanctification, victory over our sins and our demons. God's like, that's fine. This is what comes with the deal. You don't want that. And that's okay. It grieves my heart. I cried tears for you. I gave my son to die for you so that you could have the deal that I have to offer. But at the same time, that's okay. Like, I accept that. Um, And as a result, you lose or you give up. You surrender everything else that I can offer you. And as the world increases to do that and to say no to God, um, I believe that as it says in Revelation 7 uh, verse 1, It says that God is holding back the four winds. God is holding back the destruction that Satan wants to create in this world. And as God pulls back his protection and as God withdraws his presence from the world, we are going to see the extent of the devil's work in a way that I honestly am fearful for. Uh, because I think as as we have experienced these fires and God is still still protecting us on such a high degree that as I see God pulling back because we have rejected him because we don't want him to be the God of this world I do fear for what is to come but I fear in the sense for those who don't have God um I can have a fear, but my fear is not for me. My fear is not for um, where I am in relation to God. Now, I, I, is there an aspect of me that knows how how unfaithful I am to God? Yeah. Come the end, may will I turn my back on God? I can totally, with a hundred percent, 
assurance and confidence say, yeah, I could easily turn my back on God. I turned my back on God uh, just last year. And that wasn't even over like massive, massive things. Um, So I know the weakness of my heart. So I can't, I refuse to be confident and say, I'll never turn my back on God. But I do believe that if I turn my back on God, it'll, it'll be because my faith wavered it was because I disconnected from God to the extent where I did not trust him Um, I did not have faith in him Um, so I fear for people who don't know God because the suffering that they will experience without knowing God and without having God there as part of their life is going to be rough it is going to be heartbreaking and devastating and I fear for that Uh, but at the same time I know that the really important thing is that God does not want anyone to perish God wants everyone and I mean everyone to have eternal life and he is doing right now every single day God is doing everything he can everything he can for every single person to make a choice that will decide their fate that will decide their eternity and God I can guarantee you he is doing all that he can for people to desire to choose him he is showing up in their lives he is revealing himself in their lives in an extent that is just unimaginable so that there is no question as to whether God is good however God is still going to allow them to make that choice and if people do not desire the God of love the God of truth the God of mercy and grace and long-suffering and kindness and judgment and justice if they do not desire that God then God is going to respect that and unfortunately the choice that that person has made will determine their eternity and I believe that regardless of the amount of destruction and regardless of the amount of loss of life that we are going to experience and that we have experienced through these fires and through wars and through everything else that is happening in this world I have such assurance such confidence that before that person took their last breath before they were lost in a fire, before they were lost in an earthquake, in a fire, in a volcano, in a war. I have such confidence that before they took that last breath, God did everything he could to make them see how good he was and what God had to offer. I have no doubt that before every life was sealed for eternity, God strived to make sure that he was represented in the way that he should and that each person was able to see God in his goodness and in his completeness before they made a choice. And I have assurance that no life was lost without them making their choice for eternity. Um, And that I think is what is really important. But um, I must say in addition to that, guys were living... We are living in the end times. Uh, Whether I will see Christ or not, um, I know that things are only going to get worse. Uh, Regardless of whether Jesus comes this year or next year or in a hundred years from now, uh, 
we are always one day closer to Jesus coming back. And we are always one day closer to the eradicating of sin. We are one day closer to living in God's glory. And we are one day closer to spending eternity in a place where there will be no fires. There will be no wars. There will be no pain. There will be no suffering. There will be no sickness. And we're one day closer to living in a place where there will never be one more tear. And there will be no more broken hearts. And that is something that I really look forward to. Um, and in, a, in, in preparation for that, you know, Matthew 20, 24 tells us, like, there's going to be a lot of stuff happening as we get one day closer to that day. And there will be destruction. There will be famines. And there will be earthquakes and diseases. And there will be so much going on, guys, that in preparation for that glorious day, we must continue to know God and to get to know him well enough so that nothing can shake us, that that no earthly suffering will rob us of the eternal peace that we are going to experience when Jesus comes. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably it for this episode. So again, I do believe that there is an aspect of God that creates about judgment and does it come in the form of devastation? Yeah, it does. Biblically, it does. It shows, the Bible tells us that it does. Is this the fires in Australia as a result of judgment? I don't know. And that is what I, I really am careful to and really want to stress. Please do not preach that this is God's judgment unless God has literally spoken to you and told you to do that. Um, and even that, like really surrender that to God because purely because we have biblical evidence for that does not mean that this particular situation is that or that any situation is that. Uh, Secondly, God does use certain situations to glorify his name. And through fire, we can see that it is um, an aspect which can bring and devastation and the suffering of what the devil is capable of doing in in this world. He does glorify his name by drawing people closer to him as they see their vulnerability and as they see their need for a heavenly father. And finally, uh, God does accept our choices and he's a gentleman. He's not going to force anything on us that we do not want. And as a world, as earth, as humanity on this earth, he's accepting the decisions that we are making. And as we continue to reject him, um, in a global way um yeah i think god is is willing to accept that we don't want him in our lives and we don't want him as the god of this world and he will step back and he will withdraw uh, because he's not going to violate our will um so yeah i hope that's given you a bit of food for thought and again i i cannot do this topic justice uh there is definitely so much more that we can go into and It isn't an extensive study, um, but I hope it has given you a little bit of perspective as to why these things happen and uh, where is God in the context of all of this. Uh, So that's it, guys. Until next episode, my prayer, my hope, and my desire is that you stay warm in God's love, that we stay cool for Jesus' name, and may we stay on fire with the Holy Spirit um, as we see these situations all around us. May Uh, The flame of the Holy Spirit continue to refine us, continue to guide us, and continue to draw us closer to Him. 
uh, so that we may know him better and we may know him in his fullness. All right, ciao for now, guys. Thanks for joining.